welcome to the Healthy Gospel Church podcast, a podcast where we explore all aspects of church life while also shining a spotlight on good practice. My name is David Meredith, I'll be your host. Thank you for joining us today. If you like what you hear, please help these algorithms out and share it as far and wide as you can. Well, a very warm welcome to our latest uh, Healthy Gospel Church podcast, and it's my delight to have a, a guest today who may be known to some of you, but uh, I think to most of you is probably not so well known. He is uh, Harvey Kuyani. Har- Harvey is the CEO of Global Connections. Harvey, very warm welcome to the Healthy Church podcast. Thanks, David, for having me. Been looking forward. Great. Okay, can you tell us just a little bit, first of all, about Global Connections, what the organization does? So Global Connections, um, formerly known as the Evangelical Mission Association, uh, is the umbrella body for Evangelical Mission Agencies in the UK, um, supporting them uh, in their work here as they process how to do their work around the world. Okay. We're based in Leamington Spa, this is somewhere just, just below Coventry. Mm-hmm. So it's a sort of umbrella network that tries to resource and facilitate work with various missionary societies. Mission agencies, that's right, yes. Yeah. Tell us a bit about your own story, Harvey, where you're from, for example, and how you became a Christian. Oh, I come from Malawi. Um, I come from the very place where the very first British missionaries had their first mission station in Malawi. Uh, this is the, the university's mission to Central Africa back in 1861. And actually, they were taken to that village, to my village, by David Livingstone himself. Uh, so David Livingstone would spend some time uh, working with my sisters back in Malawi. Uh, that has resulted in uh, the growth of Christianity uh, with strong Scottish connections uh, for, uh, around the area. Uh, when I when I showed up in the 1970s, my family had been Christian. Uh, I know that one of my ancestors, my father's mother's grandfather, uh, was one of the first few people from Malawi to come to Scotland for education. Um, Mr. Nacho came to Scotland in 1885 and went to Stuart Mayville College. I've been to the college. I've seen his name in the registers from that year. Um, and and, and that, that connection right from the missionaries in the 1880s, uh, I think Mr. Nacho came to Scotland with Scott MacDonald, a Scottish missionary who worked for Blantyre Mission back then. Um, that has resulted in my family being Christian now for generations. I, I, I would say I'm a fifth generation um, preacher, minister in, in, in the family. Wow. Um, that's, that's, so that's how I, I become a Christian. I, I'm born in a family that's been Christian for generations in Malawi. Okay, well, welcome home, Harvey. It's great to have you back in Scotland, the land of your forefathers. Um, that that is tremendous. Is the name David Livingston revered in that part of Malawi, or has Malawi become more secular? No, Malawi is Malawi is Malawi is becoming even more Christian. Um, and yes, the Scottish the, the legacy of Scottish missionaries is still very much celebrated. 
David Livingstone is still very much um, um, celebrated as a missionary um, in, in my part of Malawi and in that part of Africa. Yeah, I mean, it's great to hear you saying, you know, that Malawi is becoming more Christian. The irony is there's more Presbyterians in Malawi than there are now in Scotland. And uh, the Presbyterians in Malawi are largely of a pretty evangelical uh, and lively. Same about, you know, Anglicans. There are more Anglicans in, in Nigeria than there are in, in England. Um, yeah. I mean, folk, folk in, in the West, in, in the UK, in Europe, talk about the declining church. Tell me a little bit about the sense of the church in, in the African continent. Um, you guys, do you speak about a declining church or do you speak about a growing church? Oh, in Africa, we, we're still experiencing massive growth of, of, of Christianity. Um, I'm in part of my story. I, I left Malawi in 2000, came to work in Switzerland, uh, left Malawi at a time of massive revival. Um, churches were thriving, growing um, in ways that we couldn't even probably understand. And I came to work as a missionary in Switzerland and it felt like uh, I've just, I mean, I could not understand it. The, the, to, to find myself in St. Gallen and, and realize that actually this community, these people have moved on from Christianity. It just it was beyond anything I could conceive, and so that's that's the same for many Africans. They they think Christian, they they expect Christianity to be growing. Um, it's that's what's what that's what is happening in Africa when they find themselves in places like Europe and realize that actually it's not everywhere. It it it's a huge culture shock. Yeah, we talk about reverse mission. Um, yes. You know, talk a little bit about that. I mean, even still in the UK, folk talk about sending missionaries to Africa. Yes. <laughs> really, the church, you know, the, the church is so lively in, in Africa. You you are a reverse missionary. Just unpack it a wee bit for us. Yeah, I, I mean, to, to some extent, um, God's, God's mission involves should involve all Christians uh, wherever God has placed them. Um, and, and so, and, and God can send people from, from Scotland to Malawi, but also can send people from Malawi to Scotland. Um, at, at, at this point in time, um, Christianity in Sub-Saharan Africa is, is still exploding in, in beyond any expected proportions. At the same time, um, for various reasons, um, African Africans from Sub-Saharan Africa have to migrate around the world, and they take their Christianity with them. Uh, so they show up in Scotland, they show up in England. Uh, they, they can be Presbyterians from Malawi, but they will be um, sort of uh, charismatic evangelical Presbyterians uh, who, when they come to Church of Scotland, they sort of feel like, okay, I'm, I'm in a different place. I know what's going on, but it doesn't feel like it does at home. And, and that's common. Uh, the Church of England deals with that. Um, almost all European mainland denominations have to deal with that. But yes, uh, Christianity is thriving in other parts of the world, and Christians from those parts of the world are bringing their faith to, to, to Europe and, and to the West. Uh, and then once they get here, they, be, they, they, they are beginning to actually find ways to engage in mission, uh, cross-cultural mission, to reach Europeans, to reach Westerners, 
um, I, I think that that's just about a normal part of the, the Christian story. God can send anybody from anywhere to go anywhere else in the world to, to, to save wherever God wants them. Yeah, from anywhere to anywhere. Okay, well, we, we, we're in Scotland. Most of the, the church that we represent belong to a particular denomination, the Free Church of Scotland, although many of our listeners are from different traditions. One of the things that we want to see in our congregations are multiculturalism. You know, as Scotland becomes more multicultural, uh, our churches tend not to be at least many of them. Can you give us some advice, Harvey, uh, as how a, a, a you know a white majority church can become more ethnically diverse? I think part of the puzzle is uh, just to figure out how best we can be hosts to one another. Um, and and I make an argument saying actually God is the ultimate host. We are all guests at God's table. But while we are guests at God's table, we, we, we play host and guest to one another. Uh, and so the, the, the people who have come from other parts of the world, finding themselves in, in Scotland, finding themselves in, in, in the UK, in, in, in Europe, um, they come bearing gifts that God has given them, uh, both for their churches and for the churches that they work with in, in, in their new host countries. The question is, do those host societies uh, open up to be hospitable to those people? Open, opening up to, to the point of really actually receiving the gifts that they bring uh, and um, being able to share their gifts with them. I think that's important. If we cannot figure out how to be best, to be good hosts to one another, uh, this whole conversation ends up just being a conversation. The real life, uh, congregational life requires that we actually do this together uh, and, and host one another and receive gifts of one another. Um, be able to actually share the, the the power that comes with being the host and 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 being able and being open to receive what the guest brings while also giving what the host has for the guest. And it's, it's, I mean, it, it's, um, it, it requires real life um, interactions. We cannot do this just by reading books. Um, we actually have to be open to engage people who are different from us. Yeah. I mean, you've written a book called Multicultural Kingdom. Would you say that yes. one of the signs of a healthy local church is that it is multicultural? If it is in a multicultural context, it has to reflect that 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 reality there is something that there is something that happens with uh, people uh, working with people from other cultures uh, that actually i believe um god blesses and 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 attracts god to reveal god's self to to the people the part of it is again just dealing with the power dynamics how do we do power across cultures the 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 Opening of up up of oneself to be um, guided or corrected by a stranger uh, in both directions uh, really puts us in a position where actually we can we can hear and receive from God. Mm-hmm. So yes, um, if if the church is in a multicultural context, it has to work hard to reflect that that the multicultural society. But even if it's in uh, an ethnically um, mono 
multicultural or mono-ethnic society. Um, culture goes beyond race in so many ways. So there will, it, it may be located in a place where it's only white people living there. But culturally, those white people will live in different, different, different cultural groups. And so just being open again, even if it's, it's, it's one ethnicity, but to be open to actually engage one another cross-culturally within the same ethnicity. Uh, that that could also place us in a in 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 a position where actually we see we reflect God's kingdom work among us. Yeah, because even you know in the white community in in Scotland, you know someone from Aberdeen is very different to someone from the Island of Skye or yeah. someone from yes. the borders. And it's the same, yes. you know, in, in in the black community, someone from Barbados is very different from someone from Malawi. You know, there's there's, right. there's nothing in common really uh, apart from from Christ. Yeah. And yet, yeah. so if a church should be multicultural, should uh, as a Malawian, should we make more of an uh, an effort to, you know, like in our music, in our dress, in the way we speak, and the assumptions, um, yes. or, or do you guys find it weird when we try to be African and, and we're not? Um, no, you 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 have to um, be welcoming. Right, and and being all coming really in in this case means you have to go out of your way to identify with with the other, right? Uh, and and that identifying with the other may may will involve, of course, uh, what 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 music do they listen to? Do they do they worship with at home? Can we incorporate that into our worship into our worship sets? But. Um, then doing that, um, really honoring and respecting the ownership of of, of the, the cultural gifts that they bring. That actually the cultural gifts still belong to the people who are bringing them. Yeah. Uh, and so actually, best would be if 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 there's space that they can actually come in and 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 lead worship and and come in and speak and come in and and do all these things. So that actually you have some cultural authenticity yeah. in, in what's going on. Yeah, that you know that that folk are not just tokens that they actually have leadership, you know, uh, duties that, that they have leading preaching and yes. stuff like that. Yes. If I can ask a kind of awkward question, what would you say would be the strengths and weaknesses of African Christianity? Okay, again, I'm conscious that you know when we're talking about Africa, you know, it's uh, it's always yes. Egypt to South Africa or, or Morocco or, or or you know Malawi or Kenya. You know, it's not just one thing, but Generally, yeah. what are strengths and weaknesses of African Christianity? And as an outsider, insider, what are the strengths and weaknesses of UK Christianity? Yeah, so, um, I mean, we cannot answer that question without generalizations. Uh, sure. We, we own that. Um, while there are distinct cultural expressions um, across sub-Saharan Africa, we also know that we also know that there are quite a few things that that join us together. So it's possible to to talk about African Christianity in a way. Um, quite a few things that I think Africans bring to the table that are distinctly African at the moment. Um, the first one really is just a Christianity that is shaped um, in in community. It's very communal. 
Um, but means it's people-centered. Uh, it means it it creates place for for different groups of people to worship together, to live together, to work together. Um, it it's not individualistic, mm-hmm. and and that's to a great extent why Christianity has exploded in Africa in the past fifty years. In that it's been communities converting communities to Christ. So there is that when Africans come here and realize that actually evangelism here, you have to deal with one person at a time. That is quite disorienting. <laughs> and, and, and also the church is really defined often as maybe one meeting on a Sunday and that's it. You know, you, you've right. got that famous African expression, it takes a village to raise a child. That's right. You know, yeah. whereas our churches are just groups of individuals. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So there is that. That's a, that's a big issue. I think another crucial thing that I, I see Africans bring to the table is because, because African Christianity is shaped by African cultural worldviews, it's quite big on prayer and quite big on um, paying attention to the spirit and the spirit world. Um, what we've seen in Africa over the past few decades is really uh, confirming the very fact that Christianity is a, a spirit-centered religion. It has to be centered around the spirit. When we find ourselves in Europe and realize that actually um, talk about the spirit here is is very much at the margins. And and when you talk about the spirit, people don't really know what you're talking about. Um, when when I talk to my students about this, uh, when I taught at the university, when when you talk about spirits, they'll think about the, the three witches in Macbeth. Yeah, yeah. Or Harry Potter. <laughs> um, African Christianity gets this. We we get it right. We we get that worldview from childhood. So we grow up. It becomes easier then to read the text and see the to still read the Bible and see the spirit at work. And and we don't we don't get uh, why Europeans German theologians had to myth, demythologize the text to demythologize the New Testament. Do we, we read it as it is, and it makes sense. We we understand that the spirit of God can do all these things because in in our in our cultures we understand that spirits can do things. It's not it's not strange. It's not we, we don't wrestle with with that at all. Yeah, um, really, yeah. Sorry, carry on. Yeah, I, I, and I think that's something that um, as Africans, uh, given given a chance here in Europe, that's something that we can actually talk about and and. and, and try and bring it back to people's awareness, people's conscious that actually this whole thing is a spiritual endeavor. We're following a God who is spirit, who has given his spirit to us, uh, to live in us, so that we can stay in tune with God at all times. Uh, I, I think that Paul's, uh, among Paul's many words in the New Testament, I think one of the most crucial ones is in Galatians, when he says, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It's just as simple as that. You you follow the spirit. And, yeah. and Africans can get that better than Europeans, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, you, you said there, you know, and I think I know what you mean, that African Christianity centers around the spirit. I think probably, you know, obviously Christianity centers around Jesus Christ. Um, you know, the key is in the name Christianity. So it centers around Jesus Christ. I think what you're saying is that we in in, in the in the West have forgotten the power of the spirit to bring 
um, conversion to bring literal power into the church and where the spirit is, Jesus is illuminated. Uh, I think of G.I. Packer's image of the floodlight ministry of the Holy Spirit, where the role of the Holy Spirit is to sure. illuminate Jesus. Um, yes, yes. But, but I, I think, you know, we talk about cessationism. Um, it's maybe gone, gone too far. Uh, and, uh, you know, <laughs> you, you, cannot, you cannot stop the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know, you, you, can't, you cannot say to the Holy Spirit, "Stop!" You, you, you can, you, you, you know, he he, do, he doesn't really pay much attention to our signals, although we can grieve him. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. but but I think to add to that, um, it's the Spirit that reveals Christ. Yeah. Right, so I, I, in, in African Christianity, this has become a common phenomenon where people come to Christ because of a spiritual experience. Right, the, the openness to a spiritual experience that leads them to Christ. Um, I, I can tell a story of my my, my grandfather. Um, my my so my 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 father's father was a Presbyterian minister in Malawi. Very much shaped by Edinburgh, remotely, of course, but very much shaped by Scotland. My his his older brother was an was um for lack of a better word, a spirit medium, a spiritual consultant for yeah. the community, not not a Christian. Yeah. But yeah. And and my grandfather's younger brother led an African independent church. So I, I grew up watching the three of them interact around issues to do with Christianity and the faith and religion. The one who was a spirit medium converted to Christianity towards the end of his life. Yeah. Um, and he had refused to convert for a long time because in his argument, um, he'd been working with the spirit world all his life as a spirit medium. And he did not feel that my um Presbyterian grandfather's Christianity could deal with the spiritual issues that people were facing um, in their day-to-day -day life. Um, but when he became a Christian, um, and, and he told me this himself, uh, he said, actually, I realized that the spirit in Christianity is more powerful, much better, sweeter than any other spirit that I had interacted with in my whole life. Uh, he used he used the word that uh, that actually I mean he had no theological education but he said um, when I when I started working with when I became a Christian and started following the spirit of God it felt like clean air ah oh, yeah and, and 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 of course clean air is is exactly what Holy Spirit means right uh, actually there are visions of the Bible that translate Holy Spirit as pure air or clean air. Uh, but he had no theological education. He didn't know that he's making a theological statement. Just got it. He had, he had come to the faith through a spiritual experience. Yeah. And and we see that a lot happening in African Christianity at the moment. Yeah. I mean, there's, there, there's a well-known preacher in the UK called Dr. Mark Lloyd-Jones, and he was a minister in South Wales. And his, his wife wrote a book, I think it's called Memories of Sandfields, and in that book, there's a story of very similar to that as a medium who had been converted to follow Jesus. And, and the medium said, when I come into the church, 
She said, I experienced a similar power to the dark power, although this time it was cl it was clean. It was powerful. So she recognized, in a sense, it was the same family and, and that it was a spiritual power. Yeah. But yeah. it was from the other side. It was the whole oh, spirit. And so much more powerful. Yeah. So, oh. yeah, that, that is really interesting. Okay. Thank you for confirming that. I, I, would, I would like to read that book. Yeah, yeah. Memories of Sandfields. I think you, you would enjoy it. I mean, it's, we've not seen okay. Bible in the UK for over 100 years. Yes. You know, we, we've not seen powerful revival. Um, you know, folk, folk, you know, we're recording this two weeks after the Queen died. People, people are saying we're in the cusp of revival. Well, we're, we're not. Yeah. We're not. Um, I think we're we've become too used to too little. You've 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 seen the God move in big ways. You know the oh, difference yeah. between big and small, yeah. So uh, the UK Church, we can learn more about the Holy Spirit, the power of the Spirit. You, you spoke there, interesting enough, about how a, a liberal theology, German rationalism, you know, the the Graf-Wellhausen theory, all these things, that, you know, and... and demythologizing of scripture just leads to deadness, you know, and, and, yes. and the church collapses. There's nothing there. Yeah. What about, you know, strengths of the UK church? You, you may have to think uh, a long, long time. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean... Um, what we got is good. You have, I mean, you have centuries of tradition um, that compared with what's happening in Africa provides provides guides and provides limits as to what people can do. Um, again, talking about the spirit in Africa, we see so often people abuse the power of the spirit and, and manipulate people, um, 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 pretending to be using the, the, the spirit of God when it's something else at play. That uh, needs proper guidelines as, as to what, what, what does it look like when you're actually working with the spirit of God. Yeah. Those things are things that, that we can learn from from our Western brothers and sisters who have done this for for much longer. Um, I mean, the 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 you have centuries of theological education, right? Um, when when I teach classes on African theology, it's very clear that at least in in the contemporary expressions, African theology emerges in the 1950s, 70 years old. There are still too many questions that we need to wrestle with uh, to, to actually shape an African theology. Here in the West, you, 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 have, you have centuries of that. We, we're dealing with questions that you probably dealt with centuries ago. Right? And, and so it does not make sense for, for us Africans to wrestle with those questions alone. We, we, we need to learn from, from the West and, and look at their resources. We may not always go in the same direction. We may not always get about the same place, but we we need we need to hear the voices from the West. We need we need to hear some some of the thoughts and and and, and the processes that have happened here before to help us shape what's going on in Africa. I think Africa is going to be a, a very important continent both for theological education and for mission in this century. And so okay. it's very important that we actually um, engage with the West to try and shape something that will not just strengthen Africa and African Christianity in Africa, but also forward Christianity. 
as a whole. Are there a growing group of African theologians like, like yourself, guys and girls who are really um, working? I know there's the African Bible commentary has been out for a few years. Um, yes. Are there many projects that, that you folk are, are working on? Yeah, there are quite a few projects. Um, uh, in, in the past few years, uh, especially um, with, uh, with, with COVID-19 lockdowns, it, it became possible for for groups of us African theologians to actually look at one another and create uh, virtual platforms where we can interact. And there is a lot of that happening now. Um, a lot of research and writing projects that are emerging. I, I'm very hopeful for for African theology, African theological education, African mission uh, in in the next few decades. Yeah, how strong is the African missionary impulse. In, in other words, are you guys keen to come over to Europe with the gospel and how are you received over here? Yes, uh, we are very keen. Um, Africa is just beginning to realize that actually Europe needs needs to hear the gospel again. Um, I have been in quite a few conferences over the past few years when I've heard uh, from Europeans asking Africans come over and help us at the Macedonian call. So that's now becoming becoming, you know, uh, accepted. Africans need to think about mission sending missionaries working in mission in Europe. It's it's common. Um, now when we come here, that's a different story. Um, two things on the on, on the one hand, uh, a lot of people who have come from Africa to to work in mission to work in Europe. A lot of Christians who have come from Africa to work in Europe do not have missions training. So they they, they, they find themselves in Europe and they realize they need a church, uh, then they plant the church, they become the pastor, but with no missions training at all. Uh, we need to work on that. But on the other hand, um, we, we arrive in Europe and, and we realize that our European brothers and sisters are behaving as if they don't need us, yeah. uh, as if we are an inconvenience among them. And, and and processing those two realities together um, is 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 quite quite a problem. I I see a lot of African pastors give up. Yeah. Very. Uh, you know, I I don't have the energy to be fighting with people who don't want to accept me. Okay. Well, let, let, let's unpack that again. Do you think that's racism, or do you think it's a spiritual problem, or is that racism is a spiritual problem? I mean, we we still live with the legacies of um, old colonial empires, and and we know that those those empires were built on racism. So there is there is definitely that the 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 the, the reality of of my experience is that um, as an African, you are almost always expected to learn from Westerners. And you 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 hardly get Westerners listen to you. Uh, Westerners are used to the te- to doing the teaching, and you are supposed to always be the student. That's common. It still happens today. Uh, and so, um, when 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 Africans come here and try to exercise spiritual leadership as pastors over Europeans, it just becomes problematic. Um, how many Europeans want to sit down under the leadership of a, of an African? That's 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 a big question. Um, so yeah, um, it's yeah, it's it's the legacies of 
Yeah, that must be so, that must be so frustrating for you, Harvey. You know, you, you're a bright guy, you're educated to PhD level, you're, you know, and yet you're you're treated as as the little boy sometimes in in the room. Yeah, yeah, um, and I mean, you get used to that. That's, <laughs> that's, that's just 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 the reality. Yeah, I mean, I loved what you said there about listening, listening to you know, Latins, listening to Africans and just having a humility to zip it, zip her lips and and just listen. I mean, we spoke about David Livingston. He was tied up in colonialism. He was tied up in some of the bad stuff. Have you managed to look at that and pull out the good stuff and identify the bad stuff? Because there's good and bad, isn't there? In, in, in yes, always. I mean, this is the story of my village. It's the story <coughs> of my people. It's the story of my ancestors. That uh, the Livingston family that bought the land that was given to the University of Mission to South Africa in 1861, and 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 became a very bad colonial project mm-hmm. in Malawi, um, a, a terrible one. Um, so, and and I grew up with hearing both sides of the story. But the missionaries. The missionaries' stories on one hand, and the the colonial stories on on the other hand, and they're both directly connected to the Livingston family, right? Uh, we David Livingston's grand grandson Alexander Livingston Bruce lived in that village for forty years, a good forty years. That's a long time. Forty years. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. With all that, uh, we can never take away uh, the fact that actually. Even with all that mess, Christianity still got through to Malawians. And, and that, as we speak today, as you said earlier, there are more Presbyterians in Malawi than there are Presbyterians in Scotland. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a wonderful testament almost to the sovereignty of God that out of, you know, the mess, mixed motives, you know, Christ is preached and, and for that we do rejoice and... Uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, as, as local churches, we can learn from that. And a healthy church, you know, owns up to its past, doesn't it? And, and it learns from its past, it, it, it faces it. Yes. Um, some folk have said, you know, some of the African churches in Scotland are not great contextualizers. You know, Nigerian churches are Nigerian churches. Uh, they make very little effort to, to be Scottish or to be British. Um, sure. It's always a two-way process, isn't it? That I mean, do you think it's good for a church to be, you know, like the folks say the Free Church of God, it's a Scottish church, or, you sure. know, the Redeemed Church of God, it's a Nigerian church, you know. Surely it's wrong to say that, or, or, that we should really be trying to expand. Um, yeah, uh, um I mean, part of the story, uh, and and this is this is broader than probably your question, but what we see in African missions in Europe or around the world is exactly a repeat of what Europeans did in Africa. Mm. Right? That's interesting. The Africans learned it from the Europeans, <laughs> and they're trying to bring it back back to Europe, and and of course it doesn't work. Right, and that's why they, the 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 RCCG or the Church of Pentecost, all these people end up unable to 
evangelize in in from a place of cultural superiority, and, and, and so they just end up with their own people from their own countries. I I I do hope that as we begin to think about mission um, in in non-colonial manners, um, it becomes possible for people to realize that actually um, you 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 can do mission without colonizing people. Yeah. And 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 therefore and and that then requires contextualization. And everything gets contextualized. So that if if it's the if it's the RCCG in Scotland, it looks the, it looks like a Scottish church. Uh, it 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 gets the Scottish culture and shapes itself around Scottish culture in ways that actually uh, bring in the kingdom. Uh, sometimes as yeast, right? That you don't really see at work, but it's working. Uh, but you bring in the kingdom in 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 kingdom of God in 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 conversation with the culture. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, you know, um, I'm thinking, you know, there's a Nigerian girl. She works in a firm of accountants. Um, she's the only African in, in the office. All all week, she's she's really in another culture, or a uh, you know a Kenyan guy, a janitor. Yeah. And then on Sunday, you can you can realize that it's a relief to them to be among their own people in their own language. You know, you, you can kind of understand that, can't you? That for gravitate towards that because they they feel a freedom sure, in their own language, sure. in their own culture. That's it. That's not always a bad thing. Mission um, requires that we actually connect with the people that we're working with. Mm-hmm. Um, so while it will make sense for 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 the African to want to hang out with his fellow Africans, her fellow Africans, um, mission. Engaging in God's mission may actually may actually require that they they probably have their own space for that. But when they are doing church, they do church for everyone. Yeah. That's 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 contextualization. That's 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 yeah. That's just trying to be you know um, God's servant. Yeah, wherever God has placed us. So I, I I get that and, and I see that all the time that that um, there's need for a space where you can you can actually speak your own language and, and eat your own food. Uh, the, the challenge is when we tie that with church and tie that into our ecclesiology, we end up with a church that that's totally out of context where it's located, and and without that, uh, the 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 obvious problem for African churches in 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 Europe at the moment is their children, their second generation, who do not belong to their parents' African cultures, but they are also not fully British. Uh, even though some of them may say I'm British, uh, until they realize uh, when they go to uni that actually, um, 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 yes, I want to be British, but these people are not necessarily that welcoming. Yeah. All right, but but. And, and, and so we realize that African children are leaving churches in, in, in living African churches in large numbers uh, because because of being brought up in in a culture that is different from their parents' cultures. Yeah, yeah, and that's not always a bad. No, it's not. It's not. Uh, it's not. Um, it's it's just that sometimes mission requires you to 
open up to the stranger. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And be hospitable to the stranger uh, in, in, in ways that you won't do otherwise. You, you think of the ultimate missionary, Jesus. You know, there he was in heaven yes. and glory in, in the Blessed Trinity um, yeah. with, with respect to a comfortable situation. And yet he left that, you know, to, yes. to go, go to a bunch of losers being born in a yep. stable. You know, uh, that's a great point, Harvey, that sometimes we've got to put our own comforts to the side for the greater right. good. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Sure. Okay. I mean, we're, we're, we're coming into land now um, for global connections and for you personally, you, you've done a book, Multicultural Kingdom. You're working on some other stuff, global connections. Well, what's your big, your big thing in the next few months? Uh, my work with Global Connections um, is helping Global Connections and, and mission agencies um, discern how best to engage in mission in the 21st century. Yeah. yeah and, and part of my concern for that, the concern that brought me to the job was that a great deal of mission agencies here in Britain still operate as if we were in the 1970s, 19, probably 1950s. The world has changed a lot since then. And so how does British mission, missionary work around the world look in the 21st century? So that's 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 keeping me busy. Um, I'm, I'm working with quite a good number of mission agencies to try and discern this. Uh, but on the side, um, I'm also, of course, I'm writing. Uh, I'm writing an introduction to African Christianity, uh, so a new book that comes out next year. But also, I'm, I'm writing uh, another book on decolonizing mission, trying to design how mission looks like in a post-colonial world. Um, and I, I teach at CMS, uh, where I lead a master's in African Christianity. Um, what, what's CMS? Church Mission Society in Oxford. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and so that's 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 great, Harvey. Thank you so much for giving us this time. It's been a fascinating conversation. These books, um, Multicultural Kingdom, the one that you've you've read, is really worth reading. The one you've got on post-colonialism will be fascinating. So look out for that, yeah. folks. Sure. Go go on to the Global Connections website. It's globalconnections.org.uk. And there are, I don't know, hours of amazing resources there. Um, so, you know, if you're in a local church, if you want it to be healthy, you've got to have this global outlook. You've got to have this multicultural uh, intent. Your church will never become multicultural unless you intend it to be. A church always follows the intentions of its leadership. Think about that. Think about that. A church always follows the intention. So if you are intentional about getting Chinese in, Latins in, Africans in, that will happen. Trust me, it will. Harvey, thank you so much. We wish you every blessing and we look forward to hearing more about you and reading more of your material. Thank you. Thank you so much, David. Listeners, thank you again for joining us in the Healthy Gospel Church podcast. We are doing a series of three, of eight podcasts per year. So a a series of three with eight podcasts in each series. So 
keep with us. Thank you. Have a great day.